Hi, this is Ananda, president of the Hare Krishna community near Washington, D.C. What follows is a Sunday talk recorded at our temple. Every Sunday we invite the public for meditation, a talk, and a vegetarian lunch. We'd love for you to join us. More information is available at iskonofdc.org. That's I-S-K-C-O-N of D-C dot org. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy the talk. Um, many, many years ago, there was a... And he was visiting Subhag Swami. Many of you know Subhag Swami. And Subhag Swami asked me, how are you doing? And I must have been having a difficult week in administration because I said to him, sometimes I'd like to run away. (laughs) And he looked at me and he said, run to Krishna, run to Krishna. So today we're going to try to maybe not run, but move in the direction of Krishna. I don't know about you, but I often find myself coming very close to Krishna and then also drawing back and coming close and then drawing back. In fact, our teenage program, we called it TAG for that very reason, because some other things. Okay, so the practice of bhakti promises many things. Promises freedom from suffering, of the cycle of birth and death, right? Promises knowledge, spiritual knowledge. And it also promises love. It, it promises the experience of the, of the sweetest and deepest and, and purest experience of this emotion called love that we're all, we're all after, we're all hankering for. So, there's another promise that this practice gives us. And it gives us a promise that we, if we follow the practice, we'll see Krishna face to face. Prabhupada says, eye to eye. Prabhupada, for those of you who are new, is the founder of the Krishna Bhakti, the Krishna consciousness movement in the West. And... Krishna consciousness is a, is a very powerful name because when we are conscious, we see. I'm conscious of Palaka Prabhu. I see him. I'm aware of him. I can hear him if he speaks. So we're after that consciousness of Krishna. And in the Bhagavad Gita, in the 18th chapter, Prabhupada teaches in the purport of the Manmana verse. He said, the Lord's promise is that anyone who is in such pure Krishna consciousness will certainly return to the abode of Krishna where he will be engaged in the association of Krishna face to the Lord's promise. Krishna himself promises that. And then, in the Bhagavatam, it's stated, the ultimate realization of the supreme truth is knowing and seeing face to face. So, not only is it possible, we're invited into pursuing that. 
And if we don't, and if we choose not to do so, the bhakti teachings say we will always remain incomplete. We will never remain fully satisfied. So I want to jump right into the deep end with you all and ask you a question. What would you do if Krishna appeared in front of you right now? <laughs> what? Fight. Oh, faint, faint. Okay, okay, okay. You would faint. Uh, I saw a hand up there, Vrindapriya. Wow. She would give him a big hug and ask him, can I go with you, whatever you're doing? Thank you for sharing that. Palika. Palika would fall at his feet. Wonderful. What would you be? be thinking, asking yourself, what would I do if Krishna appeared in front of me right now? I will ask him to come every day. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. I'll ask him to come every day. Yes. I won't exist when I see You'd stop existing. Okay, good, good. Liberate. You'd ask him to liberate you. Okay, wonderful. Yes. I <laughs> ask him to come for dinner at your home. That's kind of similar to me. I would, I'd probably think, oh my God, I wish I had cleaned the temple more. The more uh, you know, I'd be feeling very conscious. Yes. Oh, she said, I would tell Krishna I missed you for so many years. Yes, you'd say Hare Krishna? So there are many, um, in our teachings, there are many, many descriptions of uh, Krishna showing up in front of his devotees. And the first one I'll share is of Prahlad and Krishna showing up as Lord Nishringadev in a very fierce form. We'll be celebrating that festival next week. But um, you'll notice as I tell in different ways that Krishna shows up, he shows up in different ways for different people and different, different devotees have different desires. So Prahlad was just by nature from the very moment he was born had this huge deep trust that God existed as a person and would always protect him. And he was uh, very much uh, badly treated by his father. And eventually, uh, his father um, tried to kill him. Well, he tried to kill him many times, but eventually he got so angry uh, that Lord Nishringadev appeared. He, th he called to his son, he said, where is your God? You have so much faith in your God, where is he? I'm gonna sever the, your head from your body right now and let's see if your God comes to save you. And those who are familiar with the story know that at that moment, Krishna appeared out of a pillar in the form of a half man, half lion, for reasons that you'll have to come back to the festival to find out why. But anyway, um, Prahlad, everybody was afraid of this form of the Lord. And all the demigods came to offer him prayers, and Nishringadev was still very angry. He was just very angry that his... And eventually, Lord Brahma, the creator of the universe, asked little Prahlad, if I would speak to him. 
And although Prahlad wasn't afraid, he approached very carefully and he paid obeisances on the ground and Nishringadev actually helped him up and he put his hand on his head. And um, Prabhupada describes that Krishna, his hand is always ready to create fearlessness in all of his devotees. So once the Lord put his inspired, that drew out of Prahlad these most amazing prayers. Now there's another story where Krishna appeared before Dhruva. And Dhruva is a, um, also a young boy, but he wanted to find God. Whereas Prahlad was just always kind of connected with God, Dhruva wanted to find God because he was badly, he was also badly treated by his father, interestingly. But he wanted, he had a bit of, he wanted some revenge. And so his, and he did, and he was very de determined, and he did lots and lots and lots of us under the direction of his spiritual master. And eventually, he saw Krishna in his meditation. And then Krishna disappeared, and Prahlad and, and Dhruva got upset. He opened his eyes, and Krishna was right in front of him. And it's described that he got very restless. And then he fell flat, paid obeisances like a stick. And he also was so overwhelmed, it was almost like fainting, he couldn't offer prayers. All he could do was look at the Lord and drink in. Described he just drank in his beauty. And again, this time the Lord touched him with his conch shell on his forehead. And that in speak. The third example is, a, is a Daksha, Pradapati Daksha, who, is a, who had just finished offering these beautiful prayers to the Lord. And the Lord uh, appeared to him and... Um, Daksha, here's what happened when the Lord appeared to Daksha. It says, seeing that wonderful and effulgent form of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Prajapati Daksha was first somewhat afraid. But then he was very pleased to see the Lord and he fell to the ground like a stick to offer his respects to the Lord. And listen to this, it's very beautiful. As rivers are filled by water flowing from a mountain, all of Daksha's senses were filled with pleasure. Because of his highly elevated happiness, Daksha could not say anything, but simply remained flat on the ground. How beautiful. And one more humorous story of Vidura's wife. Vidura's wife's name was Sulaba, and Krishna came to their, Vidura was a dear friend of Krishna, and he came to his house one day, and Vidura wasn't there, and his wife, Krishna said, I'm hungry, and she just had some bananas in the house. She got very nervous, and so she peeled the banana, but because she loved Krishna so much and was so overjoyed to see him, she offered him the peels and threw out the banana. And because Krishna loved her and loved her love, 
at that moment. He ate the peels. So what about us? You know, we're not in the Bhagavatam. We're not that well known. There's lots of us, you know. Uh, will Krishna show up? Will we actually see Krishna face to face? We might have that desire. We know it's possible. Prabhupada tells us over and over again it's possible. We know we're part and parcel of Krishna. We're made of the same spiritual energy. We know our body is just a covering. We're just, we're just stuck in this body. So how do we get from here the desire to see Krishna face to face to actually seeing him face to face? And of course, that's a spiritual practice. For us, it's the practice of philosophy, right? The study of philosophy and the practice of service, the practice of pranayama. So how do we stay with that service day after day after day? And I'm going to use the analogy of a mountain. It's like this idea of climbing to the summit of the mountain, right? Because if the ultimate realization is to see Krishna face to face, for many people, getting to summit. Any of you here are mountain climbers? Okay. So also, interestingly, uh, Krishna says when he's describing how to see him in the world, uh, one of them, he says, of mountains, I am the Himalayas. So this mountain analogy. So I read a book recently about this, uh, this woman who had a desire to climb Mount Everest. And she did a lot of research uh, to figure out what was the most important thing to do to reach her goal of the climbing the mountain. And she came up with five things. She needed to have mental strength. She needed to have physical stamina. She needed to have skills. She needed to have lots of luck. And she needed to respect the mountain. These were her five. She narrowed down all her research from other mountain climbers about what was needed to actually reach the top of Everest. So if we look at that framework for the journey back to the spiritual world, we'll start, we'll start at the end. Um, respect the mountain. Because she knew that Many, many, many people not only failed, but died on the mountain. Even if you're a very experienced climber. And interestingly, a lot of, most people die on the way down from the mountain, not on the way up. Or even Sherpas will die on that mountain because the mountain is very powerful, it moves, and nobody control it. And also, even if you make it up to Camp 3, from which they make what's called a bid for the summit, you can't do it unless the mountain reveals itself. And very often you can get to that level and you have to come down because you have no control ultimately. 
and so you re respect the mountain. And for us, I see that as respecting the material energy. There's a verse in the Bhagavad Gita, Daivi Yesha, Gunamai, Mama Maya, Yaya, who knows? Um, um, yes, Daivi the translation, this divine energy of mind, Krishna says of the material energy, it consists of the three modes of material nature, is very difficult to overcome. Those who have surrendered to me can easily cross behind it. But it's very difficult. There's three modes, the mode of goodness, the mode of passion, the mode of ignorance. And we need to respect the material energy because we are caught in this energy. And I'm only focusing on this goal of seeing Krishna face to face. But if the goal is ultimately to, to uncover our soul, to uncover ourselves and make our way out of this material world. But it's a very, it's a divine energy. We talk about the material world, the spiritual world, material, uh, my body is material, I am the soul, I'm spiritual. But the material energy is Krishna's energy. So it's actually called Daivi. And it's super powerful. And we don't have a lot of control. We don't have a lot of control on how our body works, do we? Or is it just me? We don't have a lot of control on the environment, real energy. So respect the material energy because that's what we're up against. And then she says lots of luck. And for a devotee, that means lots of Krishna's mercy. We will see everything as God's mercy. Grace, kindness, oh my God, he saved me again. Right? Thank you, Krishna. So for us to get back to the spiritual world, we need lots of Krishna's mercy. Lots of divine luck. Um, that's the gift, and we should take it. We should take it. The nature of the false ego is like, I want to do it on my own. I don't need help. But we need help, and we need lots of luck. If you're trying to climb Mount Everest, nobody climbs Mount Everest. It can't be done on your own. So not only do you need company, you need lots of lucky breaks. And the story she tells, she encountered so many times. A lot of times you would say it's divine intervention. You didn't deserve it. And that's the birthing ground for gratitude, right? Unless we know we cannot do it without Krishna's mercy, we will have very little emotion of gratitude in our lives. And without the emotion of gratitude, our heart remains hard. And our chanting, it's, it's, it's hard for the holy name to penetrate that. Okay, so those are the two things at the end. And then you have mental strength, which is the first law of yoga to control your mind. done by all the practices of bhakti. It's done by controlling your mind. The mind is the sixth sense. It controls and influences the other five senses, and the other senses influence the mind. But if you don't have a strong mind, mind, you'll give up the practice. You'll give up your spiritual practice. We face it every morning, mind over mattress. Does anybody ever have that problem? You would think, after 40 years, I wouldn't have that problem. I still have that problem. 
it's very inviting just to, you know, snooze button, right? Thank you, Pollocka. So um, the mind needs to be very strong for us to keep the gold, and we strengthen the, the gold, and we strengthen the mind by reading the mind, and especially the intelligence by, by reading these books of wisdom. Uh, from any tradition, and particularly for this, from this tradition, they're meant to help you keep perspective, keep your goal, keep the effort up to not let yourself become and physical um, physical stamina. How many of you have found it very easy to chant or think of Krishna? Is it easy when you have physical? Yeah, I, I've also experienced that. I, even when I broke my leg years ago, um, there's this thing called ojas, right? Like uh, in Ayurveda they'll, t Ayurveda, they'll talk about this kind of energy, right? And I just broke my leg, and my beads seemed so heavy. I f it was really, for a few days, I could see that, that the accident had drained my any kind of internal energy that I didn't know I was drawing on. So it's super important as yogis, as bhakti yogis, if we're keeping the goal of our relationship with Krishna in mind, only on Sunday you're allowed to eat our delicious prasadam, which sometimes is not so healthy, but it tastes very good. But in general, you should really look after your health, right? Srila Prabhupada, the founder of the movement, he would always sign his letters. I hope this meets you in good health. And he said one time, first health, then your sadhana, your chanting practice, then your service. Because if you don't have health, you can't do much. And he also said, be careful that you don't think, I will get really serious about my spiritual life later in life, when I'm, when I'm old, wise, right? an elder. He said, that's way too late. You have to do it when you have youth and vigor and stamina. Because when you get older, it gets harder. Except for Bhakti Vinod Prabhu. <laughs> I, I'm going to embarrass you now. But I tried to guess his age yesterday, and I was way off. And I gingerly asked him, Bhakti Vinod Prabhu, are you 65? And he looked at me and he said, I am 79. 79. And I asked him, okay, what's your secret? And he said, playing Madanga. He said, that, gives, that keeps his heart beating. And honestly, he has such stamina, he can play that madanga for hours. Um, but yeah, oh, Krishna, Krishna. Yeah, thanks, John, maybe we can get some help. Maybe they can go, oh yeah, I think they're managing it. Okay, I, I, I have to stop worrying, this is my problem, right? <laughs> so 79, 
physical stamina, very, very important for spiritual practice. Please don't underestimate that. Sometimes when we, new devotees join, and in the old days we would join a temple, and um, we were very fired up for spiritual life. I lived in a temple for many, many years, and we would have bhakti programs. But it was, at that time, really, to, to look after your health was considered a little bit of what we used to call maya, like you were, that's on the bodily concept of life, right? Stop thinking about your body, just think about Krishna. But body, mind, and soul are totally connected. Totally connected, and you've been given a bit gift of this body so that you can figure out what's the point of it all. So you can figure out what do I have to know before the time of death, before I'm actually asked to leave this body and I go on to another body. So please take care of your body because you need physical stamina to, to get you to seeing Krishna face to face in your spiritual body. All right, so those are the five things. Oh, um, and the third thing, mental oh, skills. And I was thinking about this idea, uh, what skills do we need? Um, and, and you can share some of your ideas, but what skills do we need on this path of bhakti to climb this mountain, uh, to get to the summit of the experience, the ultimate realization of seeing Krishna face to face? And one of the skills we need is time management. Sounds ordinary, but if you don't put time away to, to, to meet with Krishna every day, you're going to miss the boat or miss the crew going up the mountain. So time management is a skill, the skill of living simply. How many of you feel that you could live a little simpler? Nobody, I'm very impressed. Oh, okay, some of you, yeah, very good. Um, it's a skill, it's an art. They say there's a, it, when you call something an art, it means it can actually be uh, really keeping your life uncomplicated. Because otherwise, we can be worrying all the time. You need the skill of studying, studying sacred books. That's an art. We can read, and it goes in one ear and out the other. How do we read in such a way that it starts to stick? That's a skill. There is a skill uh, to actually chanting reciting Krishna's name. And even though Prabhupada said it's very simple, there's three, and he says there's no hard and fast rules, but there's a lot of things we do wrong when we chant. And it's a skill. Even the skill of avoiding um, talking badly about people, the skill of, of, of offending another person, the skill of not getting offended that's the one I have to sharpen regularly. How do I not get offended? So these are some of the skills you need to travel this path, to start going up that mountain, to get to that ultimate place. Any other skills you think we might need? Yes, Raja. Ah, interesting to call them skills, but they are. And humility, it's practically... Um, it's, it's not a skill in the sense of you can't kind of fake it or put on humility, but it's a skill in the sense of trying to understand it 
and try to genuinely live it. Oh, nice. Uh, to honor it and to appreciate other people who have that, that, that beautiful touch of humility or, or who have become very skilled in living as a devotee in a genuine way. Because here's the thing, life is short, but the days are long. And every single thing we do has an impact. Everything. And we, it's like it sticks to us, right? I used to, I don't think they make them anymore, but years ago, I remember this from India, when, maybe when commuters came out, but the mouse would have little, little magnetic tail or something on it, and you'd move the mouse, and all these things would line up behind it, existed at some point. Anyway, I always imagine how impact is like that. It just, it sticks, and it travels with you until it does the cycle through your system. So, yeah, um, you had your hand up? This developing a belief, taking a good look at faith and trust and, and even doubts, the skill of actually recognizing doubts. And we all have them. Arjuna had them. Now, he had his doubts about how, what was the, you know, how he could find happiness and why should he fight and what was the point of it all. We may have doubts even just on, does God actually really exist? Can I believe this? Is this something I can pull, you know, try to pull a little deeper into? So, yeah, those are all skills. Very good. The skill of serving a devotee. Lovely. Yeah. The actual practical skills of uh, doing service in particular ways or perhaps particular kinds of service. Uh, somebody I met today for the first time was explaining how uh, he has been working to try to alleviate poverty in the world. And what a, great, what a great service that is. And that takes skill, right? And how to turn whatever you're doing into an offering of, for Krishna. That takes skill, right? So whether, whether it's your work in the world or whether you're trying to figure out, what does Krishna like to eat? How can I learn to offer Krishna what he likes to eat? Not that skill. So mental strength. Physical stamina, skills, lots of Krishna's mercy, and respect, respecting the man. Do we have a mic, or can you speak a little loudly? Beautiful. <laughs> yeah, sadhu, wonderful. Exactly. We go together. We move. It's all... Uh, if, if the chanting of the mantra is our main mantra, right? We chant this Hare Krishna mantra. It, it, we understand it contains everything. Then... The association of devotees coming together on a Sunday to hear, listening, finding people who inspire you. Um, that's the second most essential thing. It's like you cannot climb the mountain alone. Um, so thank you. Thank you for reminding us that, that we have to walk this path. Nobody's going to walk it for us. Nobody's going to see Krishna for us, for us. Uh, nobody's going to feel those feelings of love and affection and attachment to Krishna that we have to feel. Um, but we need help to get there. We can't live through other people's experience. The faith helps us, but it ha we have to experience it ourselves. So keep that in mind as we're pushing along. And it's true. We might be climbing the mountain just like this. She first of all was able to go up to base camp. That was as high as she could go. She got a glimpse of the mountain and had to come down. So we'll get glimpses of Krishna along the way. 
as we keep making progress. And as you climb a mountain, as, to go from base camp to the next level, they will, they will go up, but they have to come down again at night because they, they, their lungs would give out. They have to acclimatize. And so as we advance along the path of bhakti, it, sometimes there is this that up and down. We're not ready yet for the next level. We're not ready for deeper and deeper and deeper experiences of Krishna as a person so that when he actually came in front of us or just not be able to speak, we were over, so overwhelmed. So um, you have to be along the way even now looking for those moments where you feel connected to Krishna in a very, very personal way. Okay? So I have, I'm going to, I'm going to, oh, Palika. Yes, please. Out loud, so everybody can hear you. Yes, very good. Um, so uh, uh, the balance is that Krishna will, will Krishna reveals himself. We can't actually, even if we do everything right, <laughs> we're like, hey, I'm here. I still can't see Krishna. Um, act in such a way that Krishna will ultimately show up to us. We can't demand him. Krishna is not like Amazon Prime. You put in your order and it comes back next day. Uh, it's uh, it's a, a journey where we make the effort, but the other half is Krishna's. Um, and there's many ways to, to, to balance that out. Okay, so here's my final question before we wrap up. So, yes, Krishna is a real person. God is a real person. The source of everything, not just here in this world or in this universe, but the whole cosmos, a person. And just as the sun has the sun rays, you cannot have the sun without the sun rays, we are connected to Krishna. We are already connected to him. We're already part of his energy. We already have a relationship. We've just forgotten. That's the essence of the teachings of bhakti. And the practice is to try to help us remember. So if you're saying yes to this, this is my question for you now. If you are saying yes to this goal of a very deep and personal and f ultimately seeing Krishna face to face, if you're committed to that, what are you saying no to? Wait, 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 just think about it for a moment. You're saying yes to this. This is, the, this, is the this is a really good strategy question that you can use in other places in your life if you want to do something. If you're saying yes to Krishna, what are you saying no to? If you're saying yes to this relationship with Krishna, what are you saying no to? Just think about it for a few seconds, and when you're ready, say no to many, many things that had nothing, has nothing to do with it. When this woman was training to, to, to climb Mount Everest, she had to say no to so many things because she had to concentrate on getting herself up that mountain. And that's an interesting point. We have to say yes to discipline, but we tend to say no to it because we want Krishna without the work. Right? Interesting. Thank you for sharing. Um, I'll come to you next, John, but let me go to Raj oh, Let me go to John. We'll do lady. Yeah. If you're saying yes to this, what are you saying no to? Fear. Can you say a little more about that? Um, say it out loud so everybody can hear. I wish we had a second mic running around here. Go ahead. 
say, so you're saying no to fear, which means fear that you might not get there or all your efforts are going in vain. The fear, thank you. Saying yes to this, what are you saying no to? Beautiful. So saying yes to the Lord means saying no to lack of compassion or insensitivity or ignorance, being ignorant of those around us who need help or who need love or who, thank you. Okay, we're getting a bit of an echo here. Um, <laughs> yes, well, use the mic, please. Stopping... Um, saying yes to this, to Krishna, you're saying yes, no to? No to, stopping the incessant need to control things around us. Oh, that, yeah, wonderful. The need to control is one of our big problems. Well, I'll say one of my big problems, maybe it's not yours, but in general, we, we, we want to control, and sometimes uh, we do need to say no, and say yes to Krishna, we need to say no to that. Thank you, beautiful. Yes? Um, so this is like to further the point of fear. Uh, when I say yes to Krishna, in my, like in my opinion, it's I want to go with him, right? So that means I'm leaving behind every relationship, every accomplishment, and so that is a fear for me. Um, so that that's how I see. It. I mean, like it's like something I want, but also every leaving everything behind, mm. which is what Krishna might not like. What Krishna might not. So, I think it was a point made by her where it's like anything that Krishna doesn't want, you're uh -huh. leaving behind. Yeah, and you're just going with Krishna. Right. So the, thank you. Um, yes. Uh, I was thinking of the verse from. Uh, a nectar of instruction, which uh, really stands out as following the rules and regulations. Saying no to not following the rules and regulations. Following all of those. Good. You're saying no to not being lazy about those things. Yeah. Mm. And okay. not or half following them. Not overeating. Yeah. Not <laughs> saying no to not overeating. <laughs> Anybody guilty of that? <laughs> but you can overeat on Sundays when you're here. Just compost if you make your plate too big and you can't finish it. Is my advertising for composting. Um, yes, Sundarananda. Um, saying, saying, okay, yeah, so, saying no to, to laziness and complacence, which I have a lot of, and I find it very, very hard to nice. get beyond that. Yeah, saying no to laziness and complacency. Yeah. I think I would say no to wasting time. Uh, period. Mm. So every moment is important mm, uh, in the spiritual uh, path. So chanting his name whenever you get a chance, I think that that's, and the chance is always, mm. and uh, just being reminded of him all the time and just not wasting even a microsecond. Wow, thank you. I, I'm looking at the time right now, so patient on Krishna. But um, every moment is the only moment we have, actually, the moment we're in right now. And at some point, that will be the moment of our last breath. So your point is well taken, that now is the time to practice, always bringing our mind back to Krishna, wherever we are, whatever we're working at, whatever we're engaged in, ultimately it's all his energy. Um, he's there to support, we do. Um, so yeah, bringing, bringing us back to the moment. Okay, wow, wonderful. I have learned so much today. So I'm going to finish with... Um, just a beautiful meditation 
of the Lord that uh, the four Kumaras spoke when they, when, they, um, when they saw him in the spiritual world and they were trying to get in there. So I'm going to play, play a little, um, hopefully this works, play a little flute music. I want you to just listen very carefully. Ah, right. sound of the rain. You're imagining right now, I want you to think about, I'm going to be describing the Lord, so see if you can get a picture. You can also be like Pragna, who always keeps fearing, so feel free to look at the Lord while I read this. It's so just very short. Okay. The Lord is the reservoir of all pleasure. His auspicious presence is meant for everyone's benediction, and his affectionate smiling and glancing touch the core of the heart. The Lord's beautiful bodily color is blackish, and his broad chest is the resting place of the goddess of fortune who glorifies the entire spiritual world, the summit of all heavenly planets. Thus it appeared that the Lord was personally spreading the beauty and good fortune of the spiritual world. I invite you to search in the books of bhakti that you have in your homes of descriptions of the Lord. If you have Vedabase on your computer, you can search face to face and you'll find many, many beautiful things. Thank you so much. We'll end here and invite you to Thank you for your patience ahead of time if your shoes actually got wet. Uh, we're all really happy we'll have a new temple soon that will solve a lot of these problems in the shoe closet. Thank you. Hare Krishna.